Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. As always, how's it kicking, cool, and going in Kingston, Evan? Uh, good. Last week here, the, um, the undergraduate experience is about to end, so we're just we're living out our last days on our lease, but we're good. Nice weather today, so positive vibes. Good to hear, good to hear. The end of the... Uh... I mean, I, I remember my degree ending last year with a um, a submit sitting at home finishing up a summer assignment. So it's not as bombastic as you could say maybe past graduations, but it's a nice thing to check off the list nonetheless. Correct, correct. And you know who might be making a big check off the list this year is the New York Knicks looking to check off the playoffs in their list. They've been surging recently, 9-1 and one in their last 10. How do you feel about them today, Evan? Um, I feel about like I, I obviously they've had wild success, but I feel like I've felt the same kind of about them for the past two months. I mean, they're just they're just heading the red, right direction. The only thing I'd add would be, um, when we did the we did the top twenty five players under twenty five years old, I think a couple weeks ago, and we both acknowledged that Barrett should have been on the list. He wasn't. He was left off the top twenty five. For guys like, yeah, I know we we were speaking about it, guys like Sexton and even Jared Allen and even like a Mikhail Bridges, as ridiculous as that sounds. Like, yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, if we were to, to literally like do that draft again today, I, I, I looked more into his stats and his usage percentage and, I mean, quite honestly, his, his responsibilities and roles on offense. And man, like... He has a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of room to grow, and I, I think he will. I mean, he's now shooting. He's shooting three eighty eight from three, and it's. I don't think it's necessarily an aberration. He's shooting three point nine a game. Um, what makes me say I don't? Why I don't think it's an aberration? It's because obviously last year he shot three twenty, super, super not good, but um. He was also shooting six fourteen from the free throw line last year, and the free throw line is usually a pretty indicator, good indicator of how good a shooter someone is, or how good a shooter someone will be later in their career. Um, so it was kind of looking ugly for him last year. Everyone knew he was going to improve, but people didn't know if he was ready to be an efficient player yet and really grow yet. Um, he's there, he's shooting seven forty four from the free throw percentage this year, and the thing I want to stress is none of his numbers jump off the board he's averaging 17.6 a game three assists 5.7 rebounds like i said on good efficiency but his his usage percentage and and people don't like i find it such an important stat and people just don't 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 like consider it enough his usage percentage is at 23.7 that's a really low amount like just mathematically if everyone were on the floor to have an equal usage percentage it would be 25. So, uh, you know, the best players in the NBA will average around a 35. I'm sure Doncic is up to 37 uh, in his years in OKC. Westbrook was wilding at like 42. For RJ's skill set and the next path and his age, 23.7 is like a really, really, really low usage percentage. Guys like Anthony Edwards, are, and I know his situation is is totally different, and Minnesota's um, not winning games, and 
the Knicks are, but like Edwards is at twenty seven point five, and it 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 makes a huge difference. And I don't know, I just I just I feel like Barrett's for a couple reasons, and one of them is maybe the effort Barrett gives on defense over other players who are like kind of young wings who are more in losing situations. Like Barrett, like if if I'm if you ask most people who'd you take right now, Barrett or Edwards, presumably the answer would be Edwards. I'd take Barrett. Like, I, I feel like he's not even underrated. I just, I actually think that he will, like, people were already ready to denounce, like, him as, like, a, a potential all-star or number one player. I, I mean, Barrett could be, like, the best player on the Knicks next year, I think, I believe. I, that's I the love thing. That's that's the biggest thing I take out of this next thing is that is that they actually do have. Um, I, th- I think Barrett really is going to be that number one. So I released uh, I released my own twenty five under twenty five. I decided after our episode that I'd go through it and really kind of break it down and see how I'd rank the guys looking back on it. And I actually had RJ at nineteen, right below Tyrese Halliburton, Lonzo, Jamal, Fox, Shea, and Ingram, and right above. Ant, Sabonis, Collins, Aiden's, Aiden Bridges. So, I've, I'm really loving the gear, uh, the uh, the love for RJ here. And like you said, his defense has been phenomenal. While his defensive statistics might not jump off the page, with the Knicks and Thibodeau, it's a team defensive system. And it's all it's all about hustle and really, you know, just being a defensive stopper out there. And something yeah. else I wanted to point out with RJ is that last season he was in a terrible situation. The Knicks had no rudder. He was kind of just sailing through there by himself and just no real guidance, it seemed like. And he was just trying to figure things out. And one thing that I've consistently heard about RJ Barrett, whether it be through other podcasts, media members, or whatnot, is that he is a worker and that he wants to win. He wants to work and he wants to be great. And that's just kind of an intangible that all these guys who seem to make it all share. Yeah, definitely. I I think that Thibodeau and like the the mentioning the the defense is just like it's a, it's really just another point to add on. I mean, another reason why why Barrett's numbers aren't jumping off the charts and and I feel like it's now so many people score so many points that if if you're already in your second year and you're twenty and you're RJ and you're not already at twenty one points, then it's kind of like what what's going on? Um, man, the next play really slow like I, I think there's a bunch a bunch of things and i mean i i think it's taken me a while to fully accept how good julius randall is i this season will in my opinion act as an aberration like he i i just i just think there's no way that he's as good as he's playing to be quite honest but like the players they're surrounding rj with also just like they're not like like they don't suit his style that well. I I think last year was like the perfect example of that. He was playing with Alfred Payton, um, Nayla Kina, I mean, Randall and like, it, it feels like this year he's almost playing with the same people like Bullock. I, I honestly think he's just improved and, and Randall's improved and the coaching has been great and the mentality is different, but I, I think the room for RJ is, is for, to grow and even like next year is, is really, really significant. And that's anyways, that's one of the guys where um I like I that's I'm I'm on the RJ grind right now, honestly. Like I'm buying his cards. Cause they're they're like 
in the world should should a um i don't know let's say like a like a donovan mitchell or anthony edwards card be more than be worth more than rj barrett right now in my opinion so with that being said comparing him to the likes of donovan mitchell where do you see the ceiling for rj at this moment he he doesn't like. I feel like we we both just understand that he doesn't have the explosiveness and the already the crazy shooting to ever be a top ten. But I see him carving out like a top fifteen, sixteen, um, type of career for. And again, he's young. He's twenty. He's basically Zion's age. They they they're probably gonna grow together. I feel like he'll. I feel like RJ will have a you know similar kind of standing to Booker, being all star. Um, almost every year that's my but but we don't know um the east has been interesting recently uh, aside from the knicks atlanta as soon as they got the coaching change and i think trey young being a bit injured is kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise because we were just talking about it um milwaukee made philadelphia look really bad about three nights ago and i mean that's that's like a testament we've been talking about Milwaukee lately and how they may be sleepers. Um, but last night Atlanta made Milwaukee look pretty bad and, and that was without that was without Trey Young. Um we're both fans of John Collins, but we're also I mean fans of they're we've been saying it the whole time. Their depth guys are, are like they feel kind of awesome, but it, it hasn't been able to work. And I don't know whether that's young or not, but regardless they're they're surging. I think they could end up with the, the sneakily the fourth seed in the East, which is pretty high. And I know the East is a little weak right now, and we do have the Knicks currently sitting in that fourth seed, but one kind of revelation about that kind of Bucks um, hawks matchup you were talking about is the fumble of the Bodanovich trade and sign or the sign and trade and mm-hmm. the whole mess that kind of has spilled out from that situation and how much better the Bucks would look if, that trade did go the right way for them. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's not worth slandering. <laughs> it's not worth necessarily slandering Trey Young too hard, although I think people have um, kind of gotten closer to that point where he's being talked about a bit like Westbrook. And we'll get to the Wizards in a second because they've they've really turned it around. But I mean, Young's uh, Young's averaging twenty five points in in great assist numbers. But you know, it comes with four point two turnovers a game. <laughs> and excuse me, quite honestly, I don't think he should be shooting three fifty seven from three when when you know the best point guards in the league, Kyrie, all these guys are are they're shooting three ninety on <laughs> excuse me again on higher percentages. I just think the Hawks honestly really have something in Bogdanovich. Collins and we haven't been talking about Capella. Capella's had one of the most underrated uh, returns of the NBA season. It feels like uh, he's been really, really good lately. Um, but the Hawks do like the Hawks, and we were talking about it uh, early in the season. The Hawks totally do have something, and we haven't even talked about like Danilo Gallinari, uh, you know, Cam Reddish, Lou Williams, who's actually played half decent since coming. Kevin Huerter. DeAndre Hunter, um, Hunter's only played like 20 games a season, but he's looked really good in those. The Hawks do have something, and I like I like how Nate McMillan is kind of taking them there. They're 20-7 and seven under McMillan. They were 14-20 and 20 under Lloyd Pierce. There's some 
firings that I mean we're we're not in the front offices. We we have no clue the reason. Last year for me it was the Kenny Atkinson fire. Although that was revealed that kind of he 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 wasn't interested in being a part of the like incoming, you know, Katie Kyrie season. Um but it, man, the Pacers firing Nate McMillan and they're they're fine because they got Nate Bjorken, but I Nate McMillan's one of those kid, uh, coaches I, I I think really may slip people's minds because the Pacers with him had four years of sustained you know pretty good basketball too. I think Nate McMillan's made a big difference, and I I, I the Hawks are not better than we think, but they are good. And by good, do we see them winning a first round matchup against one of the like as in good like? I don't think they can make a run and win the championship this year, but are they good enough to have a memorable playoff run? Uh, I don't think they're even close to, I, I mean, I, they're not even close, but like, I mean, I, the Knicks to me, I, looking who they may play at that spot, the Knicks to me, they're, they're just, they're, they're better constructed than the Knicks. I, I, I really just think they have more talent. Um, but like you can, this Boston team's weird. Like you can beat this Boston team if you're Atlanta, and I, I don't. I don't think Miami is necessarily. Uh, you have all that big of a chance to beat, but I think like a first round win for Atlanta this year would would be huge. Like wins a lot. Like Atlanta was really really bad last season, and I know they spent a lot of money, and I know they traded for a lot, but I think a first round win and and nothing more, which. As looking right now, may or may not happen. I think that would be a huge success, though. No, I think that would go down as a great success for the season. I would be more than happy. I think as an Atlanta, I'm sure Atlanta fans do want more than that, but beggars can't you necessarily be, be choosers all the time. Yeah, you got to be content though. The last team surging in the East, um, Washington. They're playing. They're not playing like. It doesn't even feel like they're necessarily playing above their ceiling right now. They're just like beating teams that they should have been beating earlier in the season that they've kind of been mistakenly lost to. So they've won eight in a row, which is sneaky. And yeah, the eight in a row has come from against the first game was against the Jazz. But the next game was against the Kings, the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Thunder, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Cavs. Yes, not good teams. But I mean, like, again, we were talking about it with the Wizards. They can score 120 a game on any team, 125 a game on any team. They scored 125 a game on the Jazz just, um, I guess, two, three weeks ago from now, two weeks ago. But like, it, the second they play an ounce of defense, like, they're all of a sudden, like, they can win games. Like, I don't know. I don't even, like, know how to describe. Like, they have, on their team, they have, like more than enough to win games. It just feels like they haven't necessarily been doing it. I think the trade with the Bulls, um, getting Gafford kind of helped them. He's he looked always decent on the Bulls, but he he really really couldn't afford any playing time, especially because they were pretty invested in um uh obviously Wendell Carter Jr. Laurie Markin, those guys. But I mean Gafford's kind of looked good there to be honest Bertans finally kind of coming around and I mean Westbrook's taken less shots which I think is, is huge he, he he's taken 
kind of like these 13 shot attempt games and he's you know dominating the ball but i think i with him you with him you you, you it feels like you you take what you kind of he gives you and if you're getting a westbrook who dominates the ball but doesn't huck up i know 25 shots a game i think you take that no i totally agree and one thing with this wizards team is i actually had high expectations of them at the start of the season we we both did we also both liked um denny abdejo we liked that draft pick a lot as well and i was kind of picturing a world where I mean, you have Bradley Beal. We've all talked about an all-NBA talent, all-NBA scoring talent for sure. We've talked about in depth Russell Westbrook in the past, how he's a a bipolar player to us. We're either hot on him or we're cold on him. And I think that stretches beyond us and into deeper trenches in the media just because of how he plays. And like you were talking about, he can just hook up a bunch of shots a game and be extremely inefficient or he can look to distribute take smart shots and attack the rim and be extremely effective Mm -hmm. and we're not we're not the ones sitting here you know flip-flopping on him being like well when he's bad we're we're gonna you know just dunk on him and and when he's good we'll praise him but like he really is that type of player i'll give you and i know plus minus is not the best indicator of how good someone was on the floor that night there are many better ones but it's like a quick it's it, it does tell you something game 17 of the year he posted a negative 14 plus minus against portland they lost by 11 points uh game 19 of the year they lost by 27 points to miami he posted a minus 22 plus minus Game twenty of the year, they lost by twenty two to Charlotte. He posted a minus twenty two minus twenty plus minus game twenty one of the year, they lost by twenty two to Toronto, he posted a minus twenty two plus minus. Game number twenty three of the year, they lost by eighteen to the Knicks, and he posted a, a minus nineteen uh plus minus. Regardless if it was his fault or not, and I'm just reading I'm looking at field goal percentages during the stretch and it, it it, it it did seem like he played a factor in them losing. That's really bad. But like juxtapose that game fifty three of the year, or in, sorry, I'll give you their last eight wins as plus minuses: plus ten, plus eleven, plus six, plus fourteen, plus twelve, plus ten, plus sixteen, plus three. Like Westbrook's good when he is good. And I mean, if if they keep this rolling, and they'll obviously have much more difficult opponents upcoming but to me like i think if washington and clearly westbrook in the roster right now is not the answer and and i I, i've been saying it since what two seasons ago but they got a trade deal to a western conference team um like i would i wouldn't mind washington making like they'd be a they're fun playing team i'm kind of happy they're they're being competitive that's what i'm saying no, and you feel for a guy like Bradley Beal too, who, I mean, when there's guys in these situations, like we saw a couple of years ago, it's always good stats, bad team guy. There's lots of those around the league, but I think it's mm-hmm. been established now that he's a good, good stats, good player, bad team guy. Yeah, yeah, no, it, Bradley, he's one of those players who also matches the eye test, like passes the eye test rather every time you watch him play, he's he's, he's really good. Um, 
I'm looking forward to this East plan, and it looks like obviously there's there's 12 games in the season, and anyone from the four seed in the Knicks all the way to the 12 seed in the Raptors can can get this plan. Right now, my guess is that Boston and the Hornets will probably be playing for the seven eight game, and Indiana and Washington will probably playing the nine be playing the nine ten game. Who do you think comes out of that? In the Eastern playoffs, I'm assuming that Boston continues to win, and yeah. they miss the plan. Um, I I don't know that. I, actually, I think Boston may be in the plan. I think Miami's Miami's maybe going to duck out, but we'll see. It's it's going to be a nail biter, and I'm so excited for the play in tournament. To be honest. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Lamelo's coming back soon, hopefully. And I don't. Gordon Hayward, if they make a run, this sounds ridiculous. Saying they could get Gordon Hayward back, I wouldn't fully count out Charlotte, especially against a team like Boston. I know this sounds ridiculous saying it, even as I'm saying it. But there's one thing we have to consider: is that Charlotte is the Boston rejects team. Yeah. If that turns into a one play on playing game. Those guys on Charlotte aren't just playing because they love basketball. They want to be in the playoffs. That's already a strong burn inside of them for sure. I'm sure of it. On top of that, we've got guys like Terry Rozier who are now looking, and I mean Gordon Hayward from the bench, who are now looking back at Boston, who are going to want to put on a show in the garden. Most likely Boston will have the home. And I don't know. I think, I think, as much as that's such an easy play in to kind of, I wouldn't fully count it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the East, I speaking of the, the, the whole, um, like Celtics reject thing. I saw a picture of the 2018 Celtics roster the other day. And I was like, I was, I was quite honestly in shock. They had a absurd amount of talent on that team. Yeah, they had Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Kyrie or Kyrie Irving, not Irving, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum. How nuts is that? And I know Tatum. Tatum was a rookie. Daniel Tice was a rookie. Jalen Brown was in his second year. But man, I looking back, that has to be one of the like the biggest. I know Kyrie Kyrie was injured, and in, in that year was just a mess for them. That has to be one of the biggest. Um, I don't know, like flop of a flop of a um, team that we we almost didn't even recognize. They ended up losing in the second round of the the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals, one four to the Bucks. But that's like I, I forgot about that team and just how many like good players they had on their roster. And yeah, I mean, too many cooks, not enough kitchens. Mm-hmm. That was that was the biggest problem. That's true. Um. And it's the problem we surprisingly haven't seen, I mean, with the Nets this year. Who I want to yeah. quickly touch on who have taken over the number one seed in the East. And they've got Durant back. He's coming off the bench. James is sitting out currently. Kyrie's back. And I don't want to spend too much time on them because it's been an exhaustive topic all season long. But I kind of just want to hit on the success of Steve Nash. And this is potentially the hardest coaching job in the league. I know there's a lot of different teams that don't have as much talent and you're going to have to be hitting the basketball X and O's perfectly. But 
with Brooklyn, it's something more than just making sure your X and O's are perfect. I mean, you're, you've got some of the greatest players. They're going to know whether you've got the best X and O's as possible or not. It's managing personalities and almost playing a bigger role than just understanding basketball. He has to understand people and not just regular people, some of the most unique human beings who have grown up and are fostered in some very unique environments who are told they're master celebrities, superstars, the best to ever do it. And he's been able to manage three of those guys this year. And while they all haven't been playing at the same time, I think it's something of note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's no denying it. Um, he's been good for them this year. I think it's it's a it's a case of, and I think I think Kyrie alone can can be a big uh, mess, and I think Katie alone could be a lot of trouble. I still don't think it's a shame the way Harden forced himself out of Houston, but I I think Harden's, to be honest one of the better superstars in that light, as crazy it is, is to sound, even after all the trouble with kind of like Paul and 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 uh, Westbrook. Um, so I don't, think, I don't know how... Let's not forget about Dwight. his first wife. <laughs> uh, his first marriage. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I... Even though I... All the things we just said, I, I'd honestly be kind of inclined. I think I think Harden's just chill and he, he likes... He likes... He just wants to be on a good team. So I don't know how much trouble he's been, but I am obviously he deserves a fair bit of credit for the way he's managed it. There hasn't been any any bad news out of out of I Brooklyn. Think he deserves this the most credit. Sorry, he's sacked. I think Harden deserves the most credit. Oh, I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, but for me, it's more like it, it, it's it's what's what's going to happen in the playoffs. And for me, it's like that question applies to a lot of coaches. It applies for me this year to Budenholzer. What is he going to do to not have Gaonis, you know, be the center of attention or not? But I, I think I think Nash's job, I think Nash's job, um, should get reviewed, you know, when the playoffs are over. Because I don't like, I just don't. Other than other than being a good manager, and and you mentioned that they haven't been on the floor all that much this season and he's almost it seems like they've almost purposely kept their guys out when they've been injured um as to not make anything worse and and but like yeah no they're they're winning games um i'm just not i'm not ready to like make a proper comment on steve nash yet because i just i like he hasn't showed me anything worth going crazy over I think, I, mean, I think his fair. job really, I think his job really, don't. his job really, really starts in the playoffs to me. Although he, that being said, he's done a perfect job of managing personalities this year so far. Yeah. And what, and what he's been able to show, I think he's shown everything and more than what we expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, he couldn't, that's another thing. Like he couldn't be doing any better than he is right now. Like, I, I don't see a situation where the Nets are the number one seed in the East and they haven't had any big social blowouts other than Kyrie stepping away from the team, which is, I mean, totally fine. And never yeah, that was it didn't seem to affect the team. Yeah, that seemed like it was blown out of proportion as well. Like, people were hunting for that Kyrie story early in the season. I think that's toned down a bit. Um, for sure. Yeah, I no, don't know what more I would expect from him. 
Hmm? Like, I don't know what more I would expect from him. Like, do we need to see Kyrie, KD, and Harden on a banana boat? Like, what level of cohesion yeah, 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 does he need no, to reach yeah, here? Yeah. We're in agreement. Um, the West plan. We just talked about the East playing, plan being interesting. The West plans, I mean, way more interesting. Um, we can talk about each team individually. I know Steph Curry has had a crazy past however many weeks, um, really month of April. They're they're the 10th seed. They're 31 and 30. And, <coughs> excuse me again, I think we may have differing opinions about um, Steph's mm, greatness this season. Um but, I mean, this plan is way more interesting to me. San Antonio has been under the radar all year. Uh, I like a lot of guys on that team underrated. Like, between DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, I know DeRozan's having a super underrated season. It's a shame he didn't make the All-Star game looking back. Um, yeah, Capertle, those like, they have a lot of... I'm curious to see where the Spurs' future goes. And looking at Memphis, I think John Morant hasn't been this good this season yet and that's partly due to who um is surrounding him jv's been playing out of his mind recently they just got uh jaron jackson jr back which i mean he would have been drafted on our top 25 under 25 probably last year but the injuries have really really um i mean he hasn't been healthy for a while um and then portland i think is really worth talking about they have they're looking really scary, and I think the conversation, if the playoffs don't go right, the conversation is going to start to be. And, and I think Dame Dame has to have the best shoulder on his head in the entire NBA for how good he is. I mean, maybe Kawhi would be next to him. But at what point does Dame start saying, hey, like, I love CJ, but, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm a, I know he's not, but in his mind, he has to be thinking that he's a top five player in the NBA. And that you should, I mean, surround CJ's realistically, you know, should be ballparked as the 35th around 40th best player in the NBA, you know, good enough as a second option. But for Dame, like, at what point do you say, like, I, I, I kind of want a, a really good team around me. And he, he, other than his rookie season when he had Aldridge, um, Batum, Matthews, that team was great. He hasn't had that in three years. And it's, I liked their signings during the offseason i think we both did they went they went defense they went and, and got covington who's played really really bad this year he's taking basically seven shots a game scoring eight points on them and he hasn't like uh i read just in articles i honestly don't watch a lot of blazers basketball but apparently he's just not that good of an on-ball defender anymore and he just he's still great off ball but he hasn't been great at guarding the other team's number one and then the other guy, Derek Jones Jr., like they they were banking on his potential. Fair enough, he's twenty three, and showed some good things in Miami. Um, he hasn't done anything. Like they're at the point where they're relying on Melo to be, you know, a significant part of their offense. When I mean, regardless of what you want to say about Melo, like he's just not good. And then you're pay, you're, you're playing Ennis Cantor twenty six minutes and. He, Everyone knows how good of an offensive player Ennis Cantor is. No one's doubting that. 
But man, he does not give you anything, anything, anything on the defensive end. And when you already have CJ and Dame on the floor, that turns into a scary defensive, you know, lineup, and not in a good way. Really, really bad. I, I think, I think, uh, a Portland blow up is is much closer than we think. And we can go and and talk about the Trent trade, and we've talked about that, um, already. That just that also seemed weird. Although now Trent is kind of looking a bit quieter on the Raptors in recent games, but the Trailblazers are in a sticky situation. I don't think people are necessarily talking about that that much. Um, I think they could be in for a sneaky little, you know, miss miss the playoffs in this if this is a playoff game. Um, and I think they, I I I think. Their situation is scary because now Dallas is. Dallas looked like they were going to be in the playoff, uh, the playing game series for for you know the majority of the season, and now they've separated themselves from Portland. Portland's really sliding, and not only sliding, they're they're just not looking that good. Yeah, two and eight in their last ten. I mean, mm-hmm. lost five in a row. They're in the seven seed right now. Dallas has slipped past them into the six. So they've, I don't, I could see Dallas. You're right. Portland could easily lose a play-in game to the any of those teams, even the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Pelicans. I mean, I yeah, almost whisper the Kings, but I'm not the Pelicans. Yeah, do we want to talk about I, the Pelicans I think the, a little? Yeah, the Pelicans. The Pelicans almost. I think this will probably be a a, a storyline next season. It, it, it's just not deserving of being a storyline this year but i mean unless if i i I like david uh griffith in the front in the front office he's been good he's obviously a good drafter um i think his decision not to trade lonzo was a good one but like they've been um i mean i i don't know what they've been bad like they've been for their roster i think they've been you know pretty bad this year and i think i think 26 and 34 with and i know they're super young and i know they've had injuries like they they've got steven adams to be a good player um they they have they do have talent like like between lonzo zion ingram i mean to me there's enough talent there to have some expectations of at least fringe playoffs and i really 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 did not like the Stan Van Gundy hire. I I I I, I genuinely don't think he's a good coach. Um, like they have talent, and even like a even like a Josh Hart and a Blood Soap. Like they're really struggling. I'm curious to see, especially because of how good Zion's playing. He's playing out of his mind. Um, his offense is 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 he's looking like one of the best, like a, a top eight offensive player in the NBA already. His defense is totally another thing, and that that can be talked about later. I don't think Zion deserves any Zion deserves praise right now. Um, like I could see this being a storyline next season because they're not going to get better. I mean, uh, they should try to way find a way of, of kind of getting Bledsoe and and um, Adams out of there. But like they may lose Lonzo Ball. I think Josh Hart's also a restricted free agent. They may lose him. 
And Kyle Lewis Jr. has looked good, and, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker has made improvements, and Jackson Hayes hasn't really played yet. Maybe give him a, a, one more year to kind of step on the floor and, and show something real. But, like, man, the Pelicans, and again, it's a tough West, but they're, like, if if they're not good next year, it's going to be, it's going to feel weird almost. And I, it's one of those things that, isn't getting talked enough. I feel like when Zion becomes a bit bigger of a star, and obviously he can't, it's not even possible. He's already a huge star as it's standing. It'll become more of a storyline, but the Pelicans, the Pelicans are, are, are a weird team to me. And I, I don't know, really unimpressive in a way, but that's, that's just my, that's my kind of take. I don't know though. I've kind of a passionate plea almost for the Pelicans. Zion will leave. You guys wasted seven years of Anthony Davis. Wasted them. Zion, watch that happen. He was a kid. He saw the greatness of Anthony Davis come and go in the Pelicans uniform. Uh And something that we noted a couple shows ago, um, JJ Redick, former Pelican, talked about how him him, him and his agents will no longer trust the Pelicans front office because they made a promise to him that they'd either buy him out or send him to a kind of Eastern Atlantic team so he could be close to his family. And then, which they ended up trading him to Dallas for a second or something like that, which they had all the right in doing, but they did, from JJ's perspective, mislead or lie to him. And Mm -hmm. him and Zion have the same agent. These things, the reason why guys like JJ Reddick get bought out, guys like Andre Drummond get bought out, a lot of the time, is it's a favor to the agent and to kind mm-hmm. of gain some favor with the agent, showing that this is a good, sensible place for any player to sign and they will be taken care of and, you know, will be a yeah, straight it's like, shooter it's a, with them. It's, it's a two-way relationship. Exactly. So I'm just, I don't want... Let me be clear. I don't want Zion to leave the Pelicans. I'd love to see a small market team hold their superstars. I know how much it hurts to lose one. I mean, we don't. I mean, Kawhi left us after one season and a chip. I don't know much more we could do for him. But when you see a situation where a team like the Pelicans have once again gotten this generational talent, this undeniable player who has star power beyond beyond many players in the NBA. You can't fumble that again. You really can't. I totally agree. The last thing I'll leave it on, and I briefly mentioned um, getting rid of Stan Van Gundy, but I mean, the Pelicans are 27th in defensive rating. And this is a team, Eric Bledsoe, this guy's a first-team all-defender. Zion, sorry, excuse me, Lonzo, this guy's a very, very good defender. Then there, there are kind of other pieces. Ingram, purely based on his size, you know, he's an average. Um, Stephen Adams and Josh Hart, the same. I said I wasn't going to touch on Zion's defense, but it, 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 it's a bit worth touching on. Um, the Pel- as long as the Pelicans don't get their defense figured out, and that could be because of a bunch of reasons. Um, I think one of them could be the coaching. Like, imagine if the Pelicans had gotten, let's say, like a Tom Thibodeau. And I don't know if that would have been great for them, considering how hard, I mean, Thibodeau plays his player and Zion's kind of standing. Um, but like, it, think about, like, 
like how much like a, like a decision like that in the NBA makes. Like I think we could be saying totally different things if we were standing here talking about how the Knicks hired Van, Sam Van Gundy, which they weren't going to do. I think they were more interested in Jeff Van Gundy. Um, and the Pelicans signed Thibodeau. I think that's like another little fun kind of nugget to take away. But yeah, the Pelicans are, and they're it, it, it they're in danger to me not because they're playing bad this season, but because it feels like they're going to play bad next season too. And you just alluded to the AD thing. They haven't. They had a year of success with Cousins, Rondo, and Davis. I want to say they swept Portland in their playoff series. Um, but like. They haven't been good, and it seems like forever. They were they were never even reached that point. It seems like Chris Paul. Yeah, they did make and, that and, one and, run, but that was it. Yeah. So, at what point does do they like kind of become a franchise? Like at, at some point, they have to be put in with with the Sacramento Kings to me, and people don't want to do it. But I think I think the Pelicans are almost there. I think they've they've reached that point to me. I don't know if they reached that point yet just because they did not fumble the bag on the Anthony Davis trade and they got a great return. Mm-hmm. And they haven't really missed hugely on any draft picks. but Because they've been picking, yeah, but then again, Sacramento has missed. So yeah, you're right on that. Like the Bart Bagley thing is like one thing that sticks out in my mind, like a source of thumb. Like they don't have that mistake yet. Like I feel like once you yeah. make... And that mistake, and like the then you're they... like, oh, like once you have, like they have all the Pelicans have a lot of hope right now. Pelicans mm-hmm. fans have a lot to feel good about. Like I know we're kind of creating a storm over them here, but they have a lot to feel good about as of right now. As they should, once yeah, they have they Zion, they have Zion and Ingram. Um, if this gets messed up, if they fumble the bag, they lose Lonzo for nothing. Ingram doesn't pick up his defense next year. Nobody can stop. And I mean. There's still one more, I think, nail to break the camel's back here. For sure. And juxtaposing uh, Memphis, uh, sorry, like I said, I just gave it away, the Pelicans. I remember on the show saying that I was way more excited in the Grizzlies' future than the Pelicans. And I think it's kind of, I think that's kind of living up right now. We just talked about how. Jaron Jackson's only now coming back. Like, I'm, I'm. First of all, I'll, I'll say now. I know Justice Winslow's only 24, and it feels like he's played like under 150 games in the NBA somehow. I know you'll remember him from his sophomore season. I want to say where he he was pretty competitive in a series against the Raptors that went seven. I thought he looked really good. I don't want to. I don't want to count him in. Um, but like man, like. The Grizzlies, I think the Grizzlies could be a lot of fun next in the next year. And this may just be recency bias because Jaw's been doing some crazy things lately. Um, he has to be one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Like it's 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 another one of those things. It's it's always interesting to see um how different situations can be. Because like in a weird way, like the Grizzlies and and and, and Pelicans just they they feel kind of the same. Like Jaron Jackson is the high draft pick with crazy, you know, potentially plays a crazy game uh, in, you know, kind of the put him next to Ingram and then, and then Ja, obviously same draft. 
Baron Design. And then guys like a guy, like a guy like a Dylan Brooks has played way better than a guy like a Josh Hart. And a guy like a Jonas Valanciunas has played way better than a, a, a Steven Adams. And then, you know, a Brandon Clark has played way better than a Jackson Hayes. And they have Desmond Bain now who's looking like, you know, he's going to carve out a kind of Seth Curry, not Steph, but Seth Curry role in the NBA. Years to Tillman come. Jr. as well. Yeah. It like it's like it's always fun to see teams like how how important decision making and how like at the NBA, like there's a huge talent base and, and, and every team can acquire talent, but it's it's how you collectively do it and who your coaches and who your stars are and the momentum and injuries. It's crazy to see how different uh like situations can be based on like so like because it doesn't even feel like like memphis and new orleans like feel like the same thing but i i feel so up on memphis and so low on new orleans it's just interesting to think about no and it really does touch on a point i was kind of making last show that fit culture are so much more important than i think we initially or really give thought to because you can have all the best players in the world. I mean, you probably could have all the best players in the world and win the championship. But, I mean, you could have a great team and fall short every single time. Yeah, we were just talking about the Boston Celtics roster in 2018. You can't, obviously, without acquiring a guy like you know LeBron, Kawhi, you can't assemble that much better of a roster. But somehow when you combine the like the Kyries with the Haywards and you get a coach who doesn't necessarily take as much lead, even though he's, I think he's a genius in Brad Stevens, it, it, everything needs to come together so perfectly in the NBA for things to work. It is, it is crazy. And I mean, I kind of want to trans- transition that into our next segment, unless you had any more thoughts here on, I mean, there's guys who don't get picked in the NBA, the undrafted players, the players who maybe weren't in the best situation in college or just need the right situation in the NBA to unlock their talents or mm-hmm. need that one coach who finally believes in them, who gives them their shot and puts their confidence in them to kind of take the next step. So for our uh, windows of the week, we're going with the best undrafted players in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to pick here? Oh, you want to give me the first? I'm no, I'm I'm easy. I'm I'm asking you. I mean, I don't want to give away my whole list. There's a couple players who I definitely have my eye on, and there's one that I feel like needs to be picked first overall. Although he wouldn't necessarily be my first overall oh, pick. So if here, that makes I'll, sense. I'm I'm happy picking first. All right, go for it. I'm I'm going with Ben Wallace. Um, I can't yeah, other, than, other than other than Fred. Um, I can't like. It, obviously, he was not the best player on that team. Billups was better. Rashid Wallace was probably better too. But, like, for an undrafted player to be kind of the 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 centerpiece of a roster on a championship team, to be. You know the Shaq and and Kobe Lakers, and then go through the Jason Kidd Nets. That's really impressive. Um, ben Wallace's play style was like the most perfect thing for that era in the NBA. It almost felt like he got lucky, but nevertheless, like it almost feels like he probably you know this is sound crazy. It it's it feels more impressive because it's almost like 
he didn't deserve to get drafted. Like there are players who you just know like that was a mistake that they didn't get drafted. But with him, you can almost like see it. He's six seven, no offensive skill, and yeah, he's D's to the moon. But like again, six seven, and in, in a time where I mean, power forwards at that in the early two thousands were were six eight and six nine. Um, so for him to do all that in his career, and I mean, I don't think I've been mentioned. Uh, how many times he won the defensive player of the year, but for him to do all that and and again carve out a fifteen year career in the NBA, he he to me and I I'm the biggest Fred guy ever, but he to me that's my that's my first pick. No, I'm glad you went with the first one there because I wouldn't have done uh, Wallace nearly as much as a, a duty as you did. So just to quickly list off his stats: four time All Star one-time block champion, five-time All-NBA, four-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time rebound champion, 2004 NBA champion, six-time All-Defensive team. Yeah, and that... Come on. So the six-time All-Defensive team, but again, that NBA championship, to me, when he was guarding Shaq, I think that's like... That's like... You can't... You can't do more... I don't think a, a player will ever do more, like have a bigger, you know, finals accomplishment than that who who went on draft. And, and I mean, you're about to talk about Fred, but I think I think Ben Wallace is just number one to me. And mind you, yeah. I don't think he's even that crazy good. I just think he fit like his his the time he was in the NBA fit so perfectly for his you know talent. I just I that's that's kind of it for me. Yeah, no, I mean, for example, imagine if Time Lord played when Ben Wallace did. Or, oh my god. Like like these guys, there's guys in this game who I think about like Ennis Cantor would be exactly. one of the best players JV in the world one. in the eighty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. JV's another one. You might hate this, but Hassan Whiteside would have been a dominant center. Totally, I agree. And then, yeah, no, flip of that is like people wouldn't be caring as much as Bam, stuff like that. It's always interesting. Yeah, and then so moving into my pick, I'm I think it's quite easy. I'm going to go with uh, Fred Van Vliet, the Toronto Raptor. He should have been. Well, I'm not going to say he he really could have been an All Star this year. He's really the bet on yourself king. Came into the league averaging 2.9 points per game. He's averaging 19.6 now. I mean, he's not on a max contract, but he's making a load of money. He's done so well for himself. He's had impactful moments in the NBA Finals and throughout the playoffs. I can't say much more about Steady Freddie. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just, that's the, yeah. Especially, like, everything. And and the best, yeah. Yeah, no, good pick. (laughs) And then this is where it kind of starts getting harder. And there's... There's a few different ways I want to go here, but I'm just going to go, I think, with... I'm going to go with the kind of accolades and um, impact to the total game. So I'm going to go with Raja Bell. And he is a two-time all-defensive team player, a current podcast host, actually, as well, and a menace on the defensive end throughout his entire career. He's tasked with guarding players like Kobe, Notably, clotheslined him, I believe, and um, and always was it the kind of prototype three and D guy, great three point shooter, great defense team guy, always brought the intensity, 
always had a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he was just talking about it on his podcast the other day, how he'd drink a Red Bull before every game because he wasn't as naturally gifted as some of these other guys. So he needed to get anything to give him the extra edge each game. So I kind of just appreciate the hustle and grind of somebody like Raja Bell and the intensity they bring to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that I, I, I like Roger Bell. Um, honestly, a likable guy. Um, to me, it was looking at this list. Um, Van Vliet's career is just still young. There was, there were two players who stood out to me as, you know, players who weren't just good as undrafted players, but, you know, had great careers. And that's, and that's the second one. I, the first one I named was Ben Wallace. The second one, John Starks, though, six man of the year, 1996, 97, um, made the all-star game in 94, made an all defensive team. Um, he was the second best player on the nineties Knicks teams. And, and those Knicks teams, they never, they got close and they're really, they're like the ultimate team guilty. We talk about the Raptors not being able to get by the Cavs, but they were like the ultimate team guilty of not, um, kind of getting ruined by by the Bulls' dominance. Um, Starks also has that story too. He's like the kind of Kurt Warner vibe. He was straight up working in grocery grocery stores, I believe. Um, but yeah, I also love the he kind of fits into the fan fleet thing too, where he's like six two, tough. Um, wasn't afraid to fight Pippen. Uh, you probably remember that story uh or that scene from the last dance but i think that's that's where i'm going no that's a great pick and i mean i'm glad you picked him because i didn't watch like i don't you know i wish i had the nba depth right now to have a full comprehension of what he did but i'm just not quite there yet working back in my nba history so i'm glad you picked him Mm -hmm. um next up I feel like I've named two good players. Let's get it. Let's have a bit more fun. Uh, Lou Dort. Uh, this is obviously half based off Lou Dort being a legend, half based off him being the best player in the NBA. The other half based off of like, he actually like, he has a good potential carved out in OKC. I mean, next year OKC is going to get get a, you know, whether it's Cater, Evan Mobley, or Jalen Suggs, they're going to get another really good player. Um, they could be, I, I'm a huge Shea guy. They could be good soon and he's going to be there. He's going to be their OG Ananobi. He's going to be their, their wing guy. I think he's going to have a really good career and I don't know how good he's going to get or going to be for however long, but I think, I think it's like, I think it's safe to say he's going to, he's going to be a good one. So I'm going, I'm going him. Plus, like I said, he's, he's just a legend. No, I completely agree. That's a great pick. And I'm glad you went with Lou Dort because I don't know if I there's a couple other guys I wanted to include on my list before him, but you know Canadian. We're hopefully going to see him suit up for Team Canada. Can't like that yeah. pick enough. Yeah, and with my next pick, I think you're going to love this one. I'm going with Jose Calderon, one of my favorite childhood mm. players since 2007. Only six players: Steve Nash, Jerome Williams, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, Rajon Rondo, LeBron James have more assists than him. His nickname's the Caterer. I'd, I've never heard anybody use it, but it's what they have listed on Basketball Reference. He almost had the perfect yeah. free throw year. I mean, there's just so much to love about him. Great three point shooter, great team guy, unbelievable distributor, and I think underrated NBA. I don't know. This might just be me Toronto bias talking, but underrated uh, Toronto Raptor for sure. Old time, I think. 
I agree, super underrated. The reason I didn't pick him is because <clears throat> the the kind of the European in in if 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 I were to count him, that's 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 an amazing pick. The reason I didn't I didn't look towards him is because he kind of signed more as a he signed as a twenty four year old free agent. He wasn't. I don't think he was ever eligible. Well, of course he was eligible to get drafted, but just coming out of where he was playing, um, I think he never declared for any drafts, so it wasn't like he went. But I guess it's kind of the same thing with Ben Wallace. Either way, it's a good pick. No, I know what you mean. He did come in a little late, and while there's some semantics about was he directly passed up on the draft, was if... The NBA scouting is at where is that today? Would he ended up like a Frederico or a Freddie, or would he have mm-hmm. been um, actually picked up? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there is definitely some talk there, but I think I wanted to highlight highlight him regardless. And with my That's final good. pick, there this this is a tough one. I just want to list a couple of the names I'm looking at here. I'm looking at JJ Barea. I'm looking at Udonis Haslam. I'm looking at Daryl Armstrong, and I'm looking at Avery Johnson. And as well, Jeremy Lin. And oh, it's choices. crazy to think kind of the depth at this undrafted posi- uh, position. And with hmm. this, I'm kind of going to go with, with... I'm going to... Go ahead. I was just about to say, a lot of these guys have had really long careers. I know, like Avery Johnson. He was played major minutes for the Spurs. And Haslam. Speaking of... Yeah. Speaking of long careers, and we've spent a lot of time today talking about culture glue finding the right fit and i think that's exactly what udonis haslam has done in miami and not only done but created he found his perfect fit as the glue guy there and then he worked to bring what he brings as a glue guy to the team and the organization i know there's a lot of miami heat and culture talk that's blown out of proportion quite honestly but Mm -hmm. at many in many ways it isn't and that's because of the things we talked about how effective I mean, heat culture is. We can look at two other undrafted guys on that roster right now, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Kendrick Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who have excelled. No, I agree with you. Hazem does embody that. I, we're running out of time, so I'm just going to give you my last pick, Reggie Evans. But yeah, we, we've named, there's some good undrafted guys. No, I definitely, great draft pick topic, Evan. And you know, we ran a little long there. So with that being said, you are listening to The Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hey, we're, we're Paragon Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addicton in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.